And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Well, 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 welcome to Down on the Docks, episode 5-3. My name is Chris Neff. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, producing partner, Dave Sarah. How you doing, buddy? Hello. Don't call me partner, please. I don't uh, like that. Okay. Uh, as you, is fine. As producer. you can probably tell, guess who's under the weather? You're always under the weather. Yeah, though. you thought I was karaoke with my 30th uh, class reunion. Yeah, that's right. 30. You no, are old as no, fuck. Dude. No, um, karaoke. Just, just you know how. But it I knew is. you were yelling. I could tell. Yeah, but you know how it is, dude. When the bases are loaded, uh-huh. okay, mm-hmm. and it's the ninth inning, mm-hmm. and there's two outs. Right. You're not pulling me out of a game. No. All right. Right. I'm gonna come through in the clutch. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna suffer. Cali rips for my heart, and for who, Dave? For the people. For the people, our listeners. That's mm-hmm. correct. The dockers. Uh, had the docklings. A, had a fun time. Uh, the last couple of episodes, um, I'm sure half of our listeners have gone out and lost their life savings uh, learning how to count blackjack. Let me borrow a couple bucks. <laughs> if you Let me have, borrow a couple bucks. If you have lost some money, <laughs> dude, don't ever do that again. It reminds <laughs> you of somebody I don't want to talk about or hear about. It's just too spot on. If you got Dave's impression, uh, think yeah. about it and also tell him never to do that again. Okay, yeah, yeah. We don't need that. Anywho, uh, we have another exciting episode for our <laughs> listeners this week. Dave, this might be the wildest documentary we've ever covered. Before we cover this crazy, wacky, wild documentary, tell our listeners how they can find us if they want to interact with us on social media. Best way to find us is on Twitter, Instagram, or send us an email. You can find us on Twitter at Down on the Docs. Find us on Instagram at Down on the Docs Pod. And then you can send us an email, downthedocs at gmail.com. By the way, docs is spelled D-O-C-S. That's right, it is. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, Dave, like let's, documentary. let's say our listeners want to go even further to support us, oh. not just tweet out our great shows oh. or regram our great shows. Oh. If they wanted to leave a review, where can yeah. they do that? Um, best place to do it is on Apple Podcasts. Right, what if they've already done that? If they've already done that, you can go to Spotify and you can just leave a review on the actual on episodes. Ev- yeah, every ep- yeah. Ep- episode, you can start a conversation on there. Yeah. We've already had some people some start threads. them. Yep. So we appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, and Dave, before we get into this week's episode, uh, can we let our listeners know who is sponsoring this week's episode? This week's episode of Down in the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms. Established in 2016 San Diego. By the way, Broccoli Farms... 619 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. San Diego, California by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird, our friend Anthony. Nice guy. Never met him. Great guy. Never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis now? Three, four, maybe four, five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, bar none. All right. Are you ready for sticky strips? Quite possibly the craziest documentary we've ever covered. So I hear. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. 
What you gonna do? Normally, I don't have to tell you to pay attention because you do that so well, and that's yeah. why your jokes land so well. Ah, oh, thanks. I'm going bud. to extend this exact um, request to the listeners. This is not an easy listen. Okay, this is something you need to stay focused on and concentrate on because it's a wild story. And I got to be honest, I don't know how this is gonna go, but I'm gonna do my best to do what, Dave. Uh, explain it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm Ex- going to listen. Explain it to the best of my ability and hope you all understand it. Yeah. So before we start, you need to know the title of this movie, this documentary. Right. Yeah. Dave, it's called The Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Yeah, I thought when you asked me that, like it was some random porn that like I had. I was supposed <laughs> to know about. You sent me a, a screenshot of something. And I remember seeing something Beaver 4. I'm like, what the fuck are we going to review? Some porn doc? It's called the Beaver Trilogy Part 4. Now, it was released in 2059 and directed by a gentleman. Wait, by, hold on. Yeah. 2059. No, 2015. What did I say? 59? You said 2059. <laughs> That'll be the Beaver Trilogy Part Jesus 78. Christ. Okay. 2015. So it's the Beaver Trilogy Part 4, <laughs> released in 2015, directed by Brad Besser. Yeah. Okay, so over black, we see um, this sentence come up. It says, of all the films that have ever been or will be, nothing compares to Beaver Trilogy. Now, if you hear me say that, it rhymes, right? Yes. And I'm like, okay, is that an inside joke? Because that quote is attributed to a gentleman by the name of Trevor Groth of Sundance Film Festival. Ah. So, of course, you don't really see that but you hear it when you say it out loud. So I'm like, I wonder if this is a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. So we open up on a close shot. And they never say it like throughout the movie. No, no, no. It's just, we, we read that. So cool. we open on a close shot of VHS tapes, um, old video and tape recording equipment and grainy video footage. While the song, please don't keep me waiting by Olivia Newton, John plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we descend on Salt Lake city. A and J. And we see a statue. Oh, what J, my bad. <laughs> Olivia. See, I spelled it with an A. Like it's an okay. We see a statue <laughs> of what appears to be Brigham Young. Yes. And two other men. Ah. Now, you know who Brigham Young is, yes, right? Yes. The first Mormon. That nah, was Joseph Smith. Oh, yeah. But then Brigham Young. Like brought him to Salt Lake. Brought the contingency yeah. to the Wasatch Mountains. Wow. Gets over. Wow, Satch. And then says, this is, is the, the place. Well, yeah. So the granite rock that these statues are atop say, this is the place. And then our next shot, we see the angel Moroni mm. atop the Salt Lake Temple. Oh. And we zoom. So we're in Salt Lake. We right. zoom into an industrial office building, and we're going to meet the star of our film. Wow. Who's the director? Trent Harris. Okay. He directed the other Beaver movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't think somebody else directed it. Right. Yeah, you know, I figured so it would be So let him. me try and describe this guy to you. Okay. He's mid-60s. Mm-hmm. He wears one of those, um, uh, those train conductor caps with the short bill. Okay. Chain smokes nonstop. Right. Seems to ash in what looked like cereal bowls around his office. Nice, like me. Yeah. And he says, when you do a documentary, Mm -hmm. so much of what you're doing is the process of what's real and what isn't real. Sounds like George H.W. A little bit and how you film it. And you know, do you turn the camera here 
or do you turn the camera here? How, how do you make the decision? You're doing you Dana know? Carvey doing George W. I'm, it's George not, H. Though it's not George W. That's that would be <laughs> George this. H. It would be this. You want to hear George H. What do you do a documentary? <laughs> That's the same. Voice. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. This is All more right. laconic. Go, go back. He's go like, back. Go back. How do you make the decision? Yeah. You know, do I put cream in my coffee? Do I buy Coors Light? I mean, you know, life is a full of a million of these decisions, and whichever right. one you make makes a big difference. Wow, that sounds now, like life is like a box of chocolates. It's clear from the start this guy's blown. Okay, yeah, it's just like. On what you think, life? Oh, you know, lame. Uh, I built up a tolerance to life. So we now learn. He's more than one day. We now learn there's a narrator in the film. It's Bill Hader. Oh, so he says you've just been introduced to a man once called the best underground filmmaker you don't know, but should. Well, at this point, we learn Trent's films. They've been at Sundance many festivals we see the the wreaths and the laurels from all of his films that have you know made the made the rounds and he's a little bit of a celebrity now i'd never heard of him celebskis his name is trent harris <laughs> and what you're now watching right. is a movie about his movie is that how people talk? This in is how bill hader 90s? talks oh that's he's hader. doing yeah he's doing a theater voice yeah. got it got it the one-of-a-kind, 84-minute underground cult film, The Beaver Trilogy, which in itself is actually three short films. And with a name like that, you might be asking, what exactly is The Beaver Trilogy? Well, a porno. That's what we're here to find out. <clears throat> this is Trent's Salt Lake City office, where he's been kind enough to show us a few things. Hmm. So we see his office. Right. Trent's walking around. He's like, I got so much junk. I picked this up in Turkmenistan. Okay. Isn't that a beautiful little purse? Turkmenistan, huh? I don't know where that is. It's near Kazakhstan. Plan 10 from outer space beer. What you, do we got over here? You don't here? know where Kazakhstan is either. It's where they fucking filmed the Borat movies. Just let me work. Okay. We see, we see a picture. No, they didn't film it Fuck there. It, whatever. That's where he's from, though. Okay. We see... A stuffed cat. Great. You know, like what taxidermied and yeah. shit in his office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he picks up a little statue and then he goes, I picked this up in Bangkok. Looks like a big dick. Okay. <laughs> so he's an eccentric character. <laughs> Correct. What's he wearing right now? Like, you know, he's got his little, uh, what do you call it? That cap on that the, the train conductors use. Okay, train conductor cap. Got yeah. it. Crazy. What else? Yeah, just, What's the shirt? Like, what is normal it? Normal shirt, jacket. Black shirt, like, yeah, button-down, t-shirt. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Okay. Just got that it. little trucker hat. Yeah. And then he's, he pulls out a jar. Okay. And he teeth? says, no. Okay. Thank it looks God. like some grainy substance. Uh-huh. And he goes, this is my friend Larry's ashes. Oh, uh, bye. He was my best friend and a filmmaker, and when he died, I put his ashes in this oyster jar. I was going to throw them out somewhere, but I never got around to that. Seems like it just belongs here. Okay. I keep a lot of notebooks for some reason. And then he pulls out a picture, and there's this hot redhead. And he goes, this is the star of my new movie. It's called Luna Mesa. It's just wow. about done. And then he goes to another. And like uh, The guy, where are they? In They're his in house? his office. In his office, uh, nice? With all of his weird shit. No, there's a fucking 
stuffed cat in there. There's yeah. a fucking jar of. Fucking and you could just buy like you can just rent one of these offices out. Yeah, I mean it's like at a little strip mall. Okay. You know, in Salt Lake City. It's like Better Call Saul shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Behind a fucking nail salon. Correct. So then he opens up another book, and it's got some creepy drawings, and he starts reading, and then he goes. By the way, the wheat store that I go to, yeah, literally behind a nail salon. That's because they got to launder the money at the nail salon so, after everybody buys the weed. Something like that, but yeah, so you got to go enter the back. Yeah, but you know nail salons are the highest laundered money operations. Probably, probably donut shops, but sure. No, it's it's nail salons. Do you want the gel on your hand, on your <laughs> finger? Do? No? Okay. No gel? Okay. Let's go. Anyway. He opens up his little notepad, yep. his book that he's showing off, and he says, listen to your visitors. Okay. Well, one morning. Don't tell me you're not going to do it. It's not George Bush. Stop getting that in people's <laughs> okay. heads. Go, 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 go. One morning, I was sitting out, out here at 7-Eleven. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm drinking a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette. I see this woman walking across the street, and she's obviously homeless. She didn't have any shoes on, and she looks pretty fucked up. And she was, comes walking by and she says, can I have a cigarette? I said, yeah, of course. Anyway, she sits down and starts to talk to me. And it turns out she's the most wise person that I've ever met in wow. my entire life. What are the odds? <laughs> by the way, have you ever seen somebody fall for this trick? Um, what trick? That they find somebody who's totally like a Slightly crack smart. demon. No, like a crack oh, demon. Crack demon, yes. Or, or obviously homeless. Right. And they're like, oh, my God, you got to kind of meet this person. Yeah. They're the most intelligent person. Because they, they say things with such confidence. Correct. <laughs> I've seen this happen many times. Yeah, I've seen it a million times. So he's like, she's got this incredible insight. I mean, so, I might be a crackhead. And I talk with a lot of confidence. Well, he says, so anyway, I, I call her my crack angel. Aww. And I learned this thing of listen to your visitors. Okay. You don't know. People are going to come by and give you information that you'd never ever guess you know yeah conversations you get into with strangers sometimes they're quite profound and you just need to be open to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. if i just said fuck off i'm not giving you a cigarette i wouldn't have gotten any inspiration yeah okay now <laughs> the camera shows us a non-descript parking lot just a random parking okay. lot the story uh, i mean there aren't <laughs> Very many descript parking lots. That's true. Like, you're not going to just walk in and be like, oh, shit, I'm in the Disneyland parking lot? What the fuck? The story of the Beaver Trilogy began right here in this exact parking lot. This is East Hollywood High School. So it's just telling you where the... How is it not... Okay. It's telling you where the parking lot is. Mm-hmm. It's so East it's Hollywood not, High School. So how is it not... Okay. Go on. A Salt Lake City charter school for young filmmakers. But years ago, this was a privately owned television station. Wow. KUTV Channel 2. Interesting. And this notorious conservative news market, KUTV, would produce one of the nation's most original programs. Hmm. Well, the program that he's talking about was called Extra. Now, not the extra you're used to seeing. From the Gervases. The Gervases? Well, Gervais has a show called Extras. No, no, no. Not that one. I before know. Before that, that. Before I know, that, it I was know. like Entertainment Tonight, but it was Extra. Oh, yeah. That piece of shit. Ah, uh, fuck that. I never okay. watched that garbage. This was like a local access show in cool, Salt Lake City called dude. Extra. Dude. 
Fuck. Go on, go on. Which I'm is ironic yeah. because it's in Utah of all places. So we see all this old vintage, like late circa 70s TV that plays their jingle for their program called Extra. We see celebrities like Robert Redford being interviewed. Well, next we meet a woman named Diane Orr, who was an employee with KUTV. And she says, at that point, my family had quite a bit of control of the television station. You know, we had to stay within the FCC rules. Right. And that was about it. Well, we also... Oh, man, there's so many of these late night shows. Oh, yeah. I-, I can't think of the one right now. I was going to try to look it up. But there's this one just like sort of like a just a comedian dude and he has like these weird fucking people on this is wayne's world before wayne's yeah dude so good i want to do this bro i I even at one point when i was doing podcasting a couple years ago not doing it anymore yeah but well you found something better yeah so uh i was thinking about literally spending like 1300 dollars a month to do to get onto a korean am station You, you can do that and it would be on at like 3 a.m. twice a week, $1,300. That's how much it costs? It's something like that, yeah. That's not public access. I'm just saying, there's public access. Yeah, no, this is like but a this station is, you would have paid for. This is one you would have paid in for. Kimchi. You fucking, <laughs> it, but it would have been, it would, you would have been able to listen to it within 50 miles of the greater Los Angeles area. Right. So if you're just scrolling through and you just hear some idiots talking about, and you're on, you don't realize you're on the Korean station until you hit that commercial. Right. Yeah. Well, we meet another person. We meet another person that worked at Extra named Lucky Severson. And he says, what was wonderful about Extra was that we did things that most people wouldn't do in Utah. And they're right. We see an interview from Harvey Milk, you know, as you know, is the first openly gay man to be elected public office in California in 1977. Didn't know that. I thought you did know that. Because we're talking about Harvey Harvey Milk. Milk. The Milkster a couple episodes ago, and you're like, milk, I love that milk, milk movie. And I'm like, of course you do. What movie? Heart Milk. No, I like, no, Milk Money. I never uh, saw the movie Milk. <laughs> I thought you liked Harvey Milk. No, I saw the movie. The, dude, that movie Milk Money, I yeah, grew up on bad. that. Sh- dude, that chick, I don't mean to go off topic again yeah. real quick, but that girl that's in Milk Money, she's on. I don't remember. Her, I never remember her name. I might look it up. Melanie Griffith. Yes, Melanie Griffith. Yeah, yes, I don't yeah. know why we stopped and wasted time. Now, we didn't trust stop me in on the way I, I wanted to see the other name of the movie, and it was Born Yesterday, which was a fucking awesome movie. Wait, they remade Born Yesterday? No, 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 no. they didn't remake it. She was in. Well, I don't know. Was it a remake before? Uh, You've never heard of the movie Born Yesterday? It's with, with Melanie Ju- Griffith. No, with okay. Judy Holiday and Broderick Crawford and William Holden, <laughs> the original. Whoa, you just named three names I'd never heard of before. Wait, so they remade? Yeah, it was pretty Born good. Yesterday, mm-hmm. who was with, in it? Melanie Griffith, and um, of course, I can't remember his name either. The guy who played in The Big Lebowski, John Goodman. John Goodskis, dude. Goodman's. Goodman was in The Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, he plays the guy. Oh, Walter. Who, yeah, Walter. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? It's so <laughs> funny that. <laughs> <laughs> that you know all the new shit, but none of the source material. Nah, that one's a hard one, man. I was a child when Born Yesterday came out. I didn't think that was a remake, but I always yeah. liked that that was a fucking... That, that was a, I mean, as a child, loved that movie. She was hot in that, and she was a fucking dime piece in Milk Money. You know who she's married to, right? Now? Yeah. Or has always been married to? Yeah. I don't really Antonio know. Banderas. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. Bando's been wrapping that huh. up for a long time. All right, can wow. we move on? Sure. Okay, so Bill Hader's back. He says, yeah. with such creative freedom, they would hire this man. 
Larry Roberts. And then he went into an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression for no reason. Who was not a journalist. Mm -hmm. Rather, Larry was best known as an experimental filmmaker. He also happened to be best friends with Trent Harris. At the time, Trent was an aspiring young filmmaker himself with a few films under his belt. Now, at this point, we see a clip from one of these films that shows uh, a life-size Barbie-esque mannequin in the desert. And it's just staring seductively at Trent. At, and then they start making out. Well, mm. Trent starts making out with the mannequin. Okay. Remember so, that mannequin movie? <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s? <laughs> the one that mannequin comes to life? I remember Mannequin 2 on the move. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, was it called Mannequin, the first one? Yeah. Oh. The sequel was Mannequin 2 on the move. It sounds like a terrible sequel. Anyway. So Diane Orr, she works at the station too, and she says, he told me, you got to hire Trent Harris. You got to hire Trent Harris. We got to have him at Extra. Trent would produce dozens of stories for Extra, many of which would test the limits of television. Will we see some of these testing limits? Titles. The Uh titles they show. One's called Hobos. (laughs) Hobos? Hobos. Wait. H-O-B-O? Like a hobo. Yeah, not homos. And then, no, and, then, and then motorcycle gangs? I love Norm used to always go on Letterman and stuff like that. And he used to keep, he'd say he'd go hobos, call them hobos. And then Letterman would have to correct me like, well, I don't think we can call them hobos anymore. Oh, you couldn't call them back? <laughs> no, you got to call them uh, homeless or uh, like... Uh, Tramps? Not, tra- tra- something. Transients. Well, we see more interviews. Uh, he did. He did. A, we did a, a. He did an interview with Timothy Leary. Uh, for those of you who don't know, one of Conan, the most controversial American. Fuck Timothy Leary, dude. I'm explaining to our listeners who he is. I know. I'm just saying, fuck that guy. One of the most controversial. He's an asshole. Not going to get it through if you're going to keep interrupting. Controversial American psychologist known uh, for his, of course, advocation of psychedelic drugs. Um, we see Allen Ginsberg. Someone you probably have no clue who that is. I mean, I know a couple of Ginsburgs. Okay, well, he was a very famous poet uh, from the Beat Generation, a writer as well. And then he's also... The Beatnik Generation? That's what it stands for. Wow. And then he's also interviewing members from the Church of Jane Mansfield. Are you familiar with them? Um, yes, I am. A.K.A. the Church of Satan. Yes, I know who the Mansfields are. Okay, so do you know that the Church of Satan was created by Anton LaVey? Yeah, I mean, Anton LaVey sounds familiar as well. Okay. Well, anyway, Trent says, I mean, I had no journalistic training at all. I began to get out in the world and meet people. It was a hell of a lot of fun, and the people were great. They let me do damn near anything. Trent's piece, Atomic Television, would be such a hit that it would play at the nearby U.S. Film Festival. Extra would give Trent almost unthinkable creative freedom, but something new was on the horizon. Well, we're shooting with 16-millimeter film. And then eventually, the big switch came, and we discovered videotape. The story goes that this is the very first footage shot by Trent with the station's new video camera. Cool. It's a simple test tape in the KUTV parking lot. Well, we see this. And were the, was the idea is that they're able to record over things now if they need to? It's not as expensive as film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like the same thing that happened like in the porn industry. Sure. You know, they were like, we don't have to pay for film. Yeah. We could shoot just tape for we free. Won't, won't get all stuck together anymore. So, <laughs> so we see the footage of this test tape 
It's the first time the camera's been used for tape. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's at a roadside outside of this TV station. Cars are driving by. And all of a sudden, we see a teenage boy. Teenoid. (laughs) Teenoid. We see a teenage boy. And he's wearing bell bottoms. He's got this crazy 70s shirt on. It's yellow, maroon, brown. It just screams 70s. Okay. And he's standing in front of a helicopter, the KUTV news shopper. Okay. And is it then, on? No. Copter's just parked? It's parked. And then he's he's looking out of binoculars. And then okay. the binoculars find Trent's camera. And they lock cameras with each other. Whoa. Well, camera and, camera and, and binocular. And binoc. Well, it's time to meet a man okay. by the name of Dick Griffiths. Okay. A.K.A. Groovin' Gary. Wow. Richard Griffiths. So Trent... He's having a conversation with Dick Griffiths, a.k.a. Groove and Gary. Groove and Gary. And Dick <clears throat> Griffiths is like, are you kidding me, man? And it's wild is stuff. This, no, he's like, is it, it's wild it, stuff. Is <laughs> this really going on TV right oh, now? Oh, God, he thinks he's on TV. He thinks he's on TV. That's hilarious. And Trent's like, uh-huh. Yeah. It is? <laughs> are you, you're kidding me, man. Oh, no. Well, how how about that? How about that, John Wayne? <laughs> Here, oh, mom. No. Here's John Wayne, y'all. Well, I'll tell you something out there in TV land. <laughs> Look at me, I'm hamming it up. I tell you, uh, you do any more imitations? That's hilarious. Uh, you, oh, you, you know Rocky, Sylvester oh, Stallone. No. Yeah, do uh, I do that one? <laughs> uh, okay, know what I mean? You know Rocky. Sylvester Stallone, you know, he's got Adrian. I forget that he's got a coach named Mickey. You know what I mean? He's a good guy. You know, he knows how to fight. He knows his left from his right. He knows his left toe from his right toe, you know. He's a good fighter, you know. He's a good guy and he loves his wife, Adrian, you know. Oh, God. (laughs) So, I love it. I love it up here, though, you know. I was just talking... I walking by, I taking pictures of Sky Two, the helicopter over there, and man, it's fantastic out here. I love it. I just love it out here. I love impersonating. You know, gosh, <laughs> if this made the tube, I just I'd thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> the tube, it's hilarious. Well, Trent says, what I found is that he was so engaging. Mm-hmm. He's infectious, and also his naivete was quite wonderful. I mean, it took. And was 30, this guy like relatively clean and totally normal looking dude? No, nothing normal. Yeah, normal dude. Okay. It Just, took thirty yeah. seconds, and I was so enthralled with him that I knew that I had to keep filming. Well, I'll tell you, I'd like to get a picture of you. That'd be great. <laughs> Trent, you take a picture of me taking a picture. Well, I'd. <laughs> would that be all right if I did that? <laughs> Trent's like sure okay okay let's see let's see am I on here can you see me? you so like a- is it like a digital camera sort of like no he's got like one of those little Polaroid cameras no no I mean <clears throat> I'm talking about the the, the tape recorder Trent's camera yeah it's just recorder. videotape it's like videotape yeah and you can see like the little eye thing yeah and it's yeah got like it shows the picture on there yeah but what like you're digital. seeing you have a battery and you're, stuff. you're seeing Dick Griffiths <laughs> aka yeah. Gary Groovin and yeah. then he pulls out one of those little slide cameras, like a Polaroid. And Trent's trying to say, you're going to take a picture of you. T- I'm going to take a picture of you, you taking a picture. Yeah, videotaping of me. Taking- yeah. 
anyway, they're going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes out a picture and takes a picture of, of Trent. It's like a real acids who's on first. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay. Now he's like, you hang, hang on to your mic there. Uh, but let's see. Did I get that? Okay. Okay, smile. You're on candid camera. <laughs> oh my God. I remember. Hope this camera, makes yeah. a tube. Hope this makes a tube. Trent says, I'm just trying to keep up with him at that point. I mean, it's all a surprise to me. I don't know what's happening. It's unfolding for me, just like it is for everyone else. I don't know what's going on when I'm walking over to his car. I had no idea this was going to turn into be such a wonderful thing. Well, Dick, he walks him over to his car. I couldn't figure out the car. It might be like a T-Bird, but it was clearly like from the 60s. Convert? No, just regular car, okay. white with red interior. Okay. And he says, I'll show you the inside real fast, okay? I can't, look at this. You got AM, FM radio, an 8-track, the whole setup. Oh, my gosh. Well, Trent notices that the windows are engraved with carvings <laughs> of Farrah Fawcett yeah. and Olivia Newton-John. Wow. And he says, I had no idea how interesting this was going to be. This whole thing was just quite amazing. Like the windows have carvings in them? Yeah. Whoa. Big ones, too. Like, like it yeah. looks like somebody's carved them with a knife. Wow. And then you see big uh, names like Olivia and yeah. Farrah wow. on the glass. Wow. Like out of his driver's side driver's window. Side, yeah, yeah. It's it. fucking weird. That's cool. So, you know, Dick says, I says, if I make something... If something happens to this, I, I don't know if it will. I says, me and you, if something happens to this, me and you are going to go have a steak dinner. <laughs> uh, okay, Trent, I'll remember you, buddy. You're my pal. I really will. And then Trent's like, now as you drive off, I'll get a shot of you driving off. And he's like, all right, well, let's fire this old mom up. I'll see you again too, Trent. Well, the car won't start. Ah. Oh. And <laughs> that seems like the type of car that well, Dick's th- Dick says his car won't start because the car knows it's on camera. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, no, that makes sense. So Trent obviously could no, not stop yeah. filming this character. Sure. He's, he's, not, he's on camera. Okay. Well, Gary, Groove and Gary drives off. Okay. He makes, he turns it on. He's got a pump. He's got a, well, you got a, what do they call it? Pop the clutch. That's what he does. Sick. He pops. He opens the hood and like manually pops the clutch yeah. and starts it up. Sweet. Okay. Well, channel two. It's been great. I love you. See you again. All right. I appreciate this. Well, next we meet Ken Fall, and he's an extra employee. And he says, you know, fifteen minutes later, Trent walks in and goes, "My God, you can't believe what I just recorded." And Trent says he went back down to his hometown of Beaver and set up a talent show. And then he wrote a series of letters pleading with him to come down and film his talent show. And Trent says, boy, there's no way that's not going to be great. Oh, fuck. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these, uh, <clears throat> if you go back on, I mean, even our old bud, Shuli, that's like what a lot of these people do now. They go on, they're doing, they're doing their podcasts, just going back and watching these old fucking Bunk ass public access te- television shows, and they are gold Dude, mines. We're we're probably gonna get into this if there is a part two, and I have a feeling there is gonna be a part two. My God, my God! I spent about three hours on Trent's YouTube page, and it is gold. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, lucky, he's one of the employees at Extra. He says, you could take a thousand journalists in Salt Lake City and say, okay, uh, guys, uh, how many of you think this is going to be a good story? And Trent would raise his hand and he would have been the only one. So another one says, and from there, he just had to go to Beaver. He had to go see the talent show. And boy, you see the rest of the story. Trent embarked on his journey down to Beaver. He was paired with a new extra employee, and his new partner had ties to Beaver. Well, we meet Greg Sumner, and he's the extra employee with ties to Beaver. And he says, I wasn't a stranger to Beaver. That's a great yeah. line. I'm no stranger to Beaver. I had, I had a grant to work in small school districts, and I had spent a month in the school system. In the letters, Beaver Kid clued Trent into his impersonation as Olivia Newton Dawn. It would surprisingly lead them to the Beaver Mortuary, as the town's mortician seemed to be the only qualified person to put on his makeup. You following me here? Yeah, I am. They're headed down to the talent show. Yeah, I know. And the makeup's coming out. He's dressing up as a woman, and the yeah. mortician's putting on the makeup. Oh, boy. So, well, progressive. <laughs> I mean, this is 77 in, you know, Utah. In Utah. Well, pro so progressive. We see him getting his makeup put on. And he says, okay, let me explain something to you. I'm still a man. Okay? Yeah, some, I'm getting some birdcage vibes over I'm here. doing out. Hey, by the way, <laughs> birdcage. The cage all full. Okay, the, from the original, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 they make fun. They, like, say, hey, just if you want to be straight, just act like John Wayne. Maybe that's why this guy Oh, they to, do? Like, just imagine John Wayne. And then he, like, well, then, hey there, partner. That's yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I didn't know that. I can't mm -hmm. remember that. Yeah, that's how you. Yeah, that's how you straight back in the day. Okay. Act anyway, straight. just think of John Wayne. Dick, aka Garen Groovy, he's getting his makeup done by the mortician. Wait, what was John? Wait, what was John Wayne's uh, real name? No, no, no. His uh, Marion. No, his like his nickname. What was his nick nickname? The Duke. The bro. Duke. The Duke. Come yes. on. That's what Dukes is in Huntington Beach, right? It's about John it Wayne. Better be. Yeah. Dukes by that play. That place sucks. It does suck. All right. Anyway, it's probably not about him. It's a beach thing. There's Dukes in Malibu too. I think it's not whack. Yeah. yeah. All, right. Anyway. All right. Go on. Okay. Just so y'all know, this I'm still a man. Okay. It would surprise. <laughs> I'm doing outrageous things, but I enjoy being a guy. I really do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have to convince the audience that I've not gone crazy. It's just for fun. Right. Well. Trent says, there comes a time when you're filming people, when you're doing documentaries, <laughs> and often what happens is they will say one thing, but the information you're picking up uh -huh. is something completely different. So it's not a talent show, it's a drag show. There's a subtext going on. Yes. And the subtext can, you know, if Suck you catch that subtext... <laughs> Suck on your dick, actually. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was getting a lot of that kind of subtext. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole piece is filled with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we now go to the local high school. 
This is all of his vintage recordings that Trent made. Wow. There's an announcer. He's like the first drag time story hour guy. I think so. Wow. This guy's like legit, dude. I don't know how ba- back far drag goes, but he might have invented this shit. Well, there was drag people in... Uh, nah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Friends? <laughs> Friends? <laughs> well, the announcer comes out and says, okay, ladies and gentlemen, Olivia Newton Dawn. Oh, shit. Well, Gary's... Fair Dawson. <laughs> Fair, Fair Dawson. 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 Well, we see Gary walk out and drag. Dong. And um, he's got the hair. Yeah. The makeup. Wow. And he starts pl- tuck, singing. The tuck and everything. Please don't keep me waiting. Give me a little music. Oh, that's monster. <laughs> I want to love you oh, once yeah. again. Couldn't you love me too? Don't turn away from all that we've been through. Everyone changes. Be my friend. Have you got the time? Help me. I need you. Throw me down a line. Great. It's fucking awkward. Yeah. Like, just as awkward as what i just did yes well greg from extra he says when i watched the metamorphosis and i saw him come out five or six inches taller because of the heels he had on and his (laughs) hair it's fucking six three buck fucking buck 90 i thought this is an odd situation we have here we were pretty confused yeah i think we didn't this ain't no talent show i ever been to we had to examine our motives. Yeah. I think we, what we got was absolute nothing what we'd expected. Right. And Diane says, "I'll tell you they're my honest." For like funny shit, right? Like they're like like make fun of it's people. It's like it's like PBS. It's educational. Yeah. And Trent is going on a mission because yeah. he's found this creep in the parking lot yeah. doing John Wayne yeah. impressions, and he's got this new cam. But he had. They said nothing about cross dressing. Sure. And they're like, are we going to be able to air this in conservative Mormon Whoa, Utah? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I didn't think they were actually going to go record it. I thought they were going to go fucking record it to make fun of it. No. Oh, shit. That's a whole other thing then. Okay. Yeah. So Trent shows the footage. Because you made it seem like you're like, there's no way that's not going to be good. Like, it's no that's way. That's Trent. Because like, he's a fucking weirdo. Oh, he's shit. an avant-garde filmmaker. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> All right. All right. I'm thinking to myself like a comedian. I'm thinking, oh, there's no way that's not going to be amazing to well, just yeah. make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> but Trent, Trent's the guy that's stirring the pot at this little, you know, public access place. Well, they decide not to run it. Well, Trent says, I'm thinking there's a lot more going on here. He's not a joke. He's an interesting character. I wasn't sure whether they were picking up on the pathos mm-hmm. of the whole thing. Right, the pathos. And sure. that's what kind of what inspired it. The pathos. I've got to do this movie again. And so people know it's perfectly clear. Right. So next, enter Sean Penn. Wow, how old? 17 maybe wow spicoles he's a dead ringer for groove and gary wow okay so we see sean penn in this archival footage and he's like wow are you filming this oh my god well he's going to be in the beaver trilogy part two whoa okay 
So Sean Penn's like, I can't believe. I can see. It's so tough to keep Have you these. watched any of the Beaver movies? No, because I can't find it. Oh, so there's, shit. We're so, going to find them. Yeah, I know. I know. So We're here's how them. they break down. We're there's the Beaver them. kid. Okay. There's the. Okay. So the Beaver kid is with Dick Griffiths. Okay. Okay. Dude, it's, it's John Wayne sucks. shit. It's probably gar- garbage. Well, I can't comment because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I got to see Keep in mind, now. my job Fuck is to break down a documentary called The Beaver Trilogy 4. Right. The Beaver Trilogy original was The Beaver Kid right. with the original Dick Griffiths. The Beaver Kid 2 is with... Getting his groove back. Sean gets, gets her groove back. Still gets her groove. <laughs> it's... No, no, no. It's Beaver... Beaver... No, no. It's... What is it called? Beaver what? A beaver dams, a beaver dam. <laughs> beaver Kid 2, Electric Boogaloo. All right, let's beaver, go. The Beaver Kid 2 is with Sean Penn, and the third one is completely different, and it's called The Orkley Kid, Whoa. starring Crispin Glover, which we'll get to. Crispin? <laughs> We're going to get there. The crazy Crispin Glover. Yes. We're talking about another, wow, that's another late night Here's show the that, thing. If you want to- Wait, hold on. Yeah. Do they talk about the Crispin- like, do they talk about the late night thing with the David Letterman appearance? Yes. yes. <gasps> we got to get to that. Well, don't worry. You got to be patient. You got to be patient. Okay. So <sighs> Penn's like, I can't believe it. I can't <laughs> believe it. I, <laughs> now I've got like, tools. We can I, fix it. I think my Sean Penn starts like, yeah. key, sounds like Keanu. Yeah. But he's like, I've never been on set before. Hmm. I am an FBI agent. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I can't, I can't watch it. Point Break? It's point Break. Can't watch it. It's, it's a perfect film. Even when I was a child, they were making fun of that movie already. Utah. <laughs> Give me two. <laughs> I mean, it's essentially Roadhouse. Like, no, on it's the not. Beach, on the beach. No, <laughs> it's not. It's, it is, dude. It's a brilliant film. Brilliant, you yes. say. Brilliant. Do you realize that that action sequence that Catherine Bigelow directed with a steady cam? I don't know. Is immaculate. Lost, lost on me. You don't remember when, when they parked the car? I mean, I and they got to run, movie, but the, I'm Pat- not gonna remember no steady cam fucking Dude, long shot. It can't. I'm ten years younger than when you. he's running and he throws the dog at the woman going uh, through that, the I house and that, all that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a fucking brilliant shot. Yeah, okay, those, I remember those long. People always talk about that. They even talk about that with the Goodfellas. Like, Goodfellas parried it. Perry. The West Wing has a couple really good long walking. Well, you scenes. know what that all goes back to? Hmm. Like all goes back to. Um, Kubrick, close. Okay. It goes back to Wells. Who's Wells? Orwin Wells, <laughs> Orvin Wells, or Orwin? What's his name? Keep trying. I don't know. I don't know the name. Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Orin. Mm-hmm. Orin. Orson. Yeah. Orson Wells. Yeah. Orin. Um, his shot. Why is the movie escaping me? Janet Lee, Joseph Cotton. Uh, Marlena Dietrich's in it. And of course, you damn dirty apes, Charlotte Heston, he's in it. Anyway, it's that movie, and it'll come to me. Can you do impressions of anybody that's alive today? Yeah, I'll get on it. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) let's get back to it. Bill Hader comes back. I mean, the people you're doing impressions of are like, okay, go on. Why are you fucking shitting on my impressions? I'm not shitting on him. I'm just. Dude, I gave you a compliment for your half ass John Wayne. Yeah, well, okay. All right. For his next fictional remake of the never aired half hour documentary, Trent would be would by chance meet another aspiring young performer. Well, next we meet a gentleman by the name of Robert Burgos, and he was a college friend, and he says 
he was trying to cast it, and I knew this actor, Sean Penn. I called him up on the phone. I didn't know uh, who the hell he was. I said, it's a guy from Beaver, okay, Utah, that dresses up like Olivia Newton-John. I said, are you interested in, you know, meeting? He said, yeah. So he comes over, and I said, I want you to audition for this thing. He says, I don't want to audition. What I'll do is I'll just be the kid, and I'm going to go to be the beaver kid, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to follow you around AFI for a day. I'll be your cousin from Idaho. So he does, and it's incredible. Wow. So we see more Sean Penn from the Beaver Trilogy Part 2. Right. I know I'll never make it big time, but here's my crack at it. Um, and then later, a couple of guys from AFI go up the, to Trent. A and fire they go, inside? No, no, no. That's American <laughs> Film Institute. Okay. They AFI go up to Trent. the early 2000s. And they go, dude, your cousin's be- going to become a huge movie star. Wow. Now, word That's on a- the street is mm-hmm. the Spicoli character was came out of him that i was just gonna i was gonna ask that when you mentioned sean penn i'm like yeah it's for sure that he's even act sort of (laughs) acting like spicoli correct well olivia newton dong is born again oh i like dong better but okay okay well next we see black and white grainy footage of penn in drag singing wow see it all starts from that shit that's why penn is a big shot now because he was first through the trans move let's go Well, Trent says the thing about the version with Sean is after I finished that, it was really just rough home video camera shot, and I edited it in five days. And Sean did it for basically I gave him some pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. He's just great to work with and do the thing. You know, and he works for pizza. After it was finished, I still didn't feel right about it, so I decided... I better remake this movie again. Oh, no. Now, let me, before we get to the next Beaver movie, I have a rule. Okay. After being in Hollywood for 23 years. Uh huh. It's called. You were were in a Super Bowl commercial, so I can't really say shit. I did more than Super Bowl. I'm just saying, you were in a fucking, that's pretty big. I was also the star of of a hidden camera show. Oh, boy. Now, (laughs) fucking to catch a predator? No, I'm not going (laughs) to. Well, we won't have to get into it's it. It's called Guys Behaving Badly. Oh. Now, the point is this. Oh, God. Now, the point is this. Clark Gable I don't, I don't work for my friends. Right. Okay? The, you work for your friends when you've been in L.A. for a year, and they're like, we'll feed you. You'll get copy. Well, okay. Because you need to build your reel. <clears throat> right. But if, if you've been in L.A. for 20 years, and somebody says, hey, you'd be perfect for this part, the first thing you say is, how much, how much? are you going to pay me? Yeah. Because... You, what they what when they say you're perfect for the part that what I mean, that really means is I know you have a truck, mm-hmm. okay. And we need this dudes for free, and or I know that you know you have a couch, right? And you're gonna bring all that shit with you, right? So don't fall for that, people. No, never. So basically, what happens is this: Trent makes his documentary with Dick Griffiths slash Gary Gar- Groove and Gary Groove and Gary. He's not happy with it. Hires Sean Penn, pays him the fucking pizzas. Yeah. And then he says, something's not right. I got to remake this again. 
Okay. So we're going to the third rendition of the same movie? Correct. Same exact movie. And we're not Correct. even into Beaver. No, it's the, the first the, Beaver Man movie. What is it called? First, Beaver Kid? Okay, here's how oh, it works. No. You've got the Beaver Kid. Beaver Kid. Which was Dick. Yes. Griffiths. Groove and okay, Gary. Okay, okay. The Beaver Kid 2. Yes. Which was Sean Penn. Okay. The Orkley Kid okay. is coming up next. Okay. Okay. So okay, okay. here's what you need to know. Trent says, you know, I just wanted someone that could play the damn part. And I read a lot of people. I mean, Nicolas Cage read for it. Eric Stoltz and all kinds of people. Well, enter Crispin Glover. Yes. One of the most eccentric, bizarre. <laughs> yep. Not just actors, but people probably to ever walk the fucking face of this earth. And I don't know if you would know that from only watching his movies, though, necessarily. You uh, play some you play some good roles, but you never like you don't he's not like you're not watching him on this big screen and thinking like ah oh, that guy looks he's weird. You know, he's not you know what I mean he doesn't come off as that comes Have off. Have you ever seen Wild at cut. Heart? No. Okay. Watch his performance in Wild at Heart. Okay. He's insane. Okay. Now But is he supposed to be insane? Yeah, but it's only uh, a beautiful insanity that he could create. Okay. Now it's very important you know that there were many problems on Back to the Future because he's one of those actors that is difficult to work with and he's going to stay in character. And as long as they you know, mention Eric Stoltz, you do know that Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly, right? So, yes, I, we, we recently looked this up. We talk about I, this? I don't know if we did, but I definitely... They shot three-quarters of the movie with Eric Stoltz. Like, and then this is garbage. They were like, fuck this, it's that's not so, working. That's so fucked up. Yeah. So, anyway, Chris McGlover was notorious for driving uh bob zemeckis crazy because he wouldn't stay in frame and his arms would be just gesticulating <laughs> and moving and he's like okay you need to compartmentalize this performance because i've got you in you know the high school and she's over here and <laughs> just can you stay in fucking frame and he would just you know kept this, doing it. keep in mind he's like 23 at the time yeah it's tough to have an attitude in hollywood when you're young and mm -hmm. you haven't made it and then of course the whole back to the future 2 situation was he wouldn't go back and do it he wasn't in two. Um, that was a fake. You know that, wow. right? He's not in two. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yes. I get that. Okay, that's cool. Which I still haven't that's seen. That's interesting. And he's so, definitely not in three. But right. um, they, they, they say the same thing about the... Uh, not that he was difficult to work with, but that he flailed his arms too much and well, with, with, about um, the man who played the Scarecrow in the, in the movie... Wizard, Wizard of Oz? Oz. Yeah. Oh. Say the same thing like well, he's too. He, interestingly enough, like the he, same he won a, a groundbreaking case in Hollywood for his likeness being used in two, mm. and so he oh, got paid yeah. for two wow. because they they there was an actor that they hired to look like uh -oh, him. This is the AI thing now. Yeah, and it assumed his likeness. Oh boy, because he wouldn't agree to the money that yeah. they wanted to pay him. Yeah, and he was he ended up getting paid anyway. Which is fascinating. Now they're doing that with AI anyway. Stuff. Let's introduce Crispin Glover. We see him in the Beaver Trilogy three. <laughs> right. Wow. Are you filming this? Mm. <sighs> no kidding. Wow. Wow. Why I've been wanting to get on the tube so bad. Wow. So obviously, you how, see the how good is it? I mean, it's Crispin Glover. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. You were like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn it, Biff. When you're a performer, I 
I mean, when you're on TV, it's okay. People understand when it's on television. (laughs) The final remake had many shot-for-shot recreations, but there were a few differences, too. The third film wasn't set in Beaver. Instead, it was set in a fictional small town called Orkley. And this film wasn't shot for a hundred bucks in pizza. It was Trent's thesis film, and the AFI Film Institute, American, <laughs> gave him a budget of $50,000. Film Institute, They American. gave him $50,000 to shoot this short film. Yeah. The Orkley Kid also showed a number of dramatic scenes that were not in the original documentary. Trent had written his character into the film as a manipulative and exploitive journalist. So Trent has now inserted himself into the film, okay? Okay. But he's not in the film. He's having a character play Trent. Okay. And okay. Crispin's <laughs> like, uh, I hope you don't think I'm crazy for this, <laughs> but um, I'm a little worried about that Olivia number. Does it say how much they're paying these people for? No, no. How much is is Chris? Was Crispin like a? It's probably getting five grand. So the guy playing Trent says, "What are you kidding? Hey, listen, I put a lot of time and effort into this project. Look, people are gonna love you in it. You look great. Besides, I got a deadline to meet. Would I lie to you? Well, we see a scene where Crispin's character stares at a picture of Olivia Newton-John, and then loads a bullet into a, a gun." Uh-huh. And cocks the gun uh-huh. and puts the gun in his mouth uh-huh. and pulls the finger on the trigger Whoa. before the screen freezes. It's getting dark. Now, here's the thing. Oh. This may or may not be some foreshadowing of real-life events to come. Shit. Okay? Somebody going to kill themselves by shooting themselves in the Possibly. head? Possibly. Fuck, dude. Knowing the original documentary, the sight of a gun in this fictionalized version is unexpected. But like the third film, the second film also had a phone call asking that the footage not be aired and the main character on the verge of suicide. These added scenes would prompt many questions. Were the remakes fiction? Did the documentary actually capture reality? What's real? What really happened that day in Beaver? Beaver. Time to meet Starly Kine. She's from This American Life, and she's interviewing Trent. She says, at the end, you have him calling the director character up and asking to call it off, and then he tries to kill himself. And you're saying this is for dramatic purpose that you did that? Well, Trent says, yeah, pretty much, I guess. Uh I mean, you know when I make these things into movies, I have to take some dramatic license to make them work. Right. Well, she says he wanted to make a short film, and why not make this short film? And he already knew the story, and why not make it again? Okay. And I don't just believe that wasn't like a deeper reason. Right. Back to Trent. She says, it seems to be the furthest from the reality, though, that we saw from the documentary. Okay. You know, reality doesn't have anything to do with anything. Mm -hmm. You can quote me on that. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> she says, reality doesn't have anything to do, do with, with anything, anything. bitch. What did and you, then he's you get like, the first time? Yeah, and then he's like, and it just wouldn't stop. She'd ask me questions, and she'd keep going and going and going and going. Uh, so she continues. And so this is not based on anything, right, that actually happened. No, it's something I fabricated, something I made up. Mm. Why? Oh, boy. I don't really... What's this movie? Why don't you shut up? Oh, boy. Well, I finally just told her to shut up. Like, how... Where? Okay. And... I know. It's bizarre. The whole fucking thing. Let me just tell you something. (laughs) Yeah. Trent. Yeah. How how did he make most of his money originally? I don't think he did. So, he just... Like, you're just easy to live... Easier to live back He's living in Utah. Yeah. Okay? He works at this fucking news station that probably gives him a lot of rope. Yeah. And probably has him do editing and shit. And they're yeah. like, he's taking the cameras and their equipment and going shooting sure. films and shit. That's kind of the sense I, I mean, got. that was the thing back in the day. You can use the equipment as long as you can either A, fix it and make sure you don't break or if you break return it, it. Fix it and return it correctly in the way it's supposed to. Like, you got to know how to. But yeah, that's pretty much the qualification. Well, <laughs> she continues this American Life interviewer, Starly Kine, and says, I mean, he told me to shut up. And he was getting annoyed that I kept him. Although I think I was right to, because I think he admits to feeling it being a different thing. How to put this? This is Trent. I did get a phone call after I'd been in Beaver and the phone call said, listen, I've been thinking about that. Maybe, you know, maybe you shouldn't put this on TV. Mm, Cold feet. But from who? I'm assuming she, he's talking about Dick Griffiths. But they don't reference who that phone calls from. Huh. So anyway, um, it's from fucking Bill Chris, Johnson. Crispin. You can't <laughs> put that on, man. I just Beth, came off. Get your damn hands <laughs> off her. I'm going on Letterman. We're going to get to the Letterman. Weeks. <laughs> get to the Letterman you can't thing. put that movie out. Okay. So Bill Hader interjects at this point and says, maybe we should have told you this earlier. Trent hates talking about the Beaver trilogy. Oh, Beaver Trilogy, I can't stand it no more. If I ever have to talk about that movie, good God, I'm sick of that movie. Shortly thereafter, he would expand on his opinions. Normally, they come in, they put me down, and they set up their shot, and they ask me the same goddamn questions, and I give them the same fucking answers, and then they're happy and they leave, but they never, ever get it. It turns out Trent had already spoken quite extensively on the subject, while surprisingly, on the other side, the Beaver Kid has nothing to say at all. No quotes, no interviews. He has never spoken publicly about the Beaver trilogy and was credited in the film under the pseudonym Groovin' Gary. Since those final shots of Trent's original documentary, the Beaver Kid remains a mystery. Okay. Let's go to Beaver, Oregon. Okay. Okay, we see a sign welcoming us to Beaver that says Mountains of well, Fun. Uh, Beaver, Oregon. Now. Yeah. We're no longer... Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Beaver, Utah. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> well, the town says, when you drive in, it says Mountains of Fun. And it says best <laughs> like my taste. my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> well, does your ex-girlfriend also have the best tasting water in the U.S.? Because that's their other motto. Yep. Okay. Except it was pee. Beaver is roughly a 200-mile drive southwest from Salt Lake City. 
It's a small town in central Utah, but surprisingly, this rural location is best known for its link to the invention of television. Mm-hmm. In 1927, Beaver native Philo T. Farnsworth registered. <laughs> this is true. Philo registered T. Philo T. Farnsworth. Philo T. Farnsworth. Registered Farnsworth. Registered the first patent for the television. Wow. Fifty years later, the invention would have inspired a young man from Beaver to find the Beaver kid. The question was posed: Have you ever seen the Beaver trilogy? Now, quick side note on yes. Philo Farnsworth. Yes. I thought he was from Idaho. Because okay. I watched some documentary on the History Channel, like, who invented shit. Okay. He was from Idaho. Was it television? Yeah. He, there's probably, like, No, it's Philo T. Farnsworth. Oh, no, I'm saying there's probably, like, different renditions of it. You know, like... Well, here's I mean? the thing. I know Philo and got the fucked. remote somebody else. I know Philo got fucked because RCA was working on the first yeah, television. Yeah, it's not and then they fucking sure. took, sent Philo to fucking San Francisco or something. They say shit. the first commercial television was made by RCA and blah, blah, blah. The point is, I'm pretty sure he died penniless. And sure. one of the big companies like Westinghouse or yeah. RCA fucked him over. Sure. And sure. Fuck, I think I believe it. Probably committed suicide. The story, but don't quote me. The story is old as time. Well, we go to Beaver. And cameras are walking around saying, hey, have you, you know, heard of the Beaver Trilogy? And they're like, what? Um, You're going to have to explain that to me. Yeah. And Bill's like, the gentleman had never seen the film, but helped search through yearbooks. So then... Are you seeing yeah. Bill when he does this? No, it's all it's all, all bony voiceover. Okay, but they assemble a team. I imagine him making a stupid face when he's doing it, though. Yeah, they assemble a team of three guys to go to the uh, library, and they're like, "Who are we looking for? The Beaver, something?" Another guy's digging in the yearbooks, and he's like, "Beaver kid, got him, Groovin' Gary." Bill, his name isn't Groovin' Gary; it's actually Dick Griffiths. So this is weird because you have to understand this is the Beaver Trilogy Four. Okay, they're making right, right. This is a good box set at this point. It's got a picture. Like if you stack them all together, it's got like a picture, but it makes all one big picture. Hater's part of the fourth. Okay, okay. okay. So whenever you're a hater, he's in four. Okay, but it skips in and out of Beaver Trilogy One. <laughs> We've never talked about what it's. It's just about him being retarded. It's about him being a crossdresser. Oh, oh, it's actually Singing about Olivia Newton-John. Oh, it's actually about that. You never really made that clear. Okay. Well, that's what the shows, the actual video show, the video, the movies are about. First one's a documentary. Yeah. Second's a remake of the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Third's a remake of the remake of the documentary. Okay. So, okay. So that's what I was sort <laughs> okay. of unclear on okay. is I'm trying to figure out when you said we got to make it again, I wasn't sure if they were trying to make Beaverton 3 again. No. They're making the same movie again and just naming it something different. Trent's obsessed is what you need to understand. All right. That was unclear to me. Now now it all makes sense to me. Beaver. Hold on. Let me go to my Beaver boy. Beaver boy. (laughs) The beaver kid. The beaver kid. Shot on tape. Yes. Just a doc. Yes. AFI comes in and says, we'll give you Sean Penn, but you got to pay him in pizza. Call it the beaver (laughs) kid too. Got it. Then... He says, we liked what you did with the Beaver Kid 2. We're going to give you 50 grand. You're going to go make the Orkley Kid, and Crispin Glover's going to star in this bitch. Right. Now okay. it all makes sense to me. <laughs> so the Beaver Trilogy 4 
is them descending on the Beaver Town. The Beaver Trilogy Four. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a mind fuck. This whole thing's a mind fuck. That's why I wasn't sure if this was gonna work, and it might not work. Oh, I God. bet you there's like 30 people that are already like, these guys are morons. Yeah. Fuck them. They don't know how to tell stories. They've already checked out. And okay. if you did, God bless you, because I'm confused too. We're coming to video soon, okay. so you'll come back. So anyway, he says, uh, well, they meet Dick's sister. They track Dick's sister. He's Dick got, Sergeant? No. Sergeant York. Sergeant York. He's got three sisters. Okay. I'm going to do them all as one voice because I can't tell them apart anyway. So Dick's sister. He was the most popular, cute, fun-loving guy in high school. And he was, wait a minute, you're not filming this, are you? <laughs> so now I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Of course they're filming this woman. There's a camera in front of her. And she's like, what are you, you're filming this? So right at this point, I'm like, this is getting bizarre. It's beyond cinema verite. It's like, it's, I'm starting to lose my mind watching this, trying to figure out what's going on. So Bill interjects and says, she wanted to talk off record. The request was obliged for a short while. You see the camera then just go to the floor underneath mm -hmm. the kitchen table of this woman's house who clearly knew she was being recorded. Right. <laughs> she thought, yeah. I don't know. People are weird. I mean, it was the 90s. They didn't know what a camcorder looked like, maybe. Dick's sister says, I can't stop you from telling the story, but, and he would love that, if you told the story the way it really was. These are his two other sisters. If you wanted to know how many people in Beaver know about that film, it's a handful. Yeah, there sure aren't many. He did not want anything to do with it for a long time. He was very wound up about it. Yeah, he was. So now, do you want to sit down and talk to us? Before rolling, an off-camera microphone caught this exchange. <laughs> oh, shit. Dick's sister, too. Dick was interested. He was interested in telling this story. He tried to get Trent to tell it, and you know what? I think you could tell it. Or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here right now. Everything that happened in Dick's life happened for a reason. And you say you were inspired by the movie, but you may not know that you were inspired by what you were inspired by. Trent's creative mind in Hollywood and video left people wondering what happened to that poor kid, Dick's sister. So we can make another one. Look at that. Oh, can you believe that poor kid lived like this? That poor kid didn't live like that, but that's the way the film, you know, how many films do you find that that's the way they end and you want to put an end on them? These people can't talk normal English, too. That's the okay. other thing. It's very tough to understand. Sure. Dick's sister, three. He was an entertainer from day one. So wait, he's got three sisters. Correct. I, well, but how is this pertinent to the story right now? I have no idea. Okay. That's why I'm sharing it with okay. you. All right. I'm just curious. These broads are sitting around the table saying, we want to tell you about our son, but you can't film us. And he, so, so this guy also made the, so a different guy made the documentary, I'm assuming. Yeah, this is Ben Besser's film. Yeah, yeah, okay. The Beaver Trilogy 4. Sounds like fucking, sounds like, and Trent made this bullshit. Here's the thing. At one point, I was like, this is Trent's doing, and oh, this guy. He's busting at Tony Clifton? Correct. I started thinking <laughs> that, too. And I started thinking, oh, all right. I thought maybe Ben Besser's a pen name, and it's really Trent. I couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. 
You're gonna find out like Ben Besser was like the name of like the delivery man on some stuff. Dude, I have show. no fucking clue. <laughs> like, anyway, his dick's sister says he was a blast to be around. He had a friend down the block named Chad, and they started tape recording themselves. And um that's you know what we did, and Dick was a big hit on the tape recorder. Again, with who? I don't know. That's why I'm fucking watching this. <laughs> like and going, a, a lot of this is just making me think he was just there, maybe. And he, it was the first thing that he filmed, and he thought, "Oh man, this is great. This is gonna make it." Let's get to Dick's sister too and see if know. she can make any sense of this. She says, "I think Dick really thought." Of course, they were amazed. Also, they're like, "Oh my god, I just filmed something outside and brought it inside and started watching it." Well, I know that they know what it means, but I'm saying it's so easy now and cheap. Here's what here's what I made clear. Dick's yeah. sister references his initial trip up to KUTV. By the way, yeah. Any drugs involved in any of this? None. Wow. They don't just don't mention it or you're not getting the feeling. No, no, I'm getting the feeling there's zero drugs involved. Alcohol, nothing. No. No. Wow. Okay. So Dick's sister talks about the day Dick went up to KUTV and she goes, I think he thought he'd get up there and there'd be a lock on the place and he couldn't get in, but he saw the helicopter and got excited. And then Trent came out and it was fate. You know, you go to Hollywood and get a part. I think Dick thought he'd already gotten his part. He thought this was a big break, you know, watch him up there. If you look at him walking back to the car, talking to himself. So then oh, so they're just kids house. I'm just joking. I mean, who fucking knows? I'm we fucking see around. We see vintage footy video of the first time he met Trent in that parking lot. My day's coming. It's a shining. I doubt if I'll ever get onto TV, but here's my crack at it. You know? Hello, people. Here I am. Hello. Ha ha, Utah. Utah. Ha ha. Dick's sister. Oh, look. What, what I just did. I'm going to... What if this makes extra? So they obviously knew about extra. You know, mm, yeah. this local public access show. Right, 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 right. Oh, Hollywood, here I come. I could see the wheels turning in the parking lot like Dick had done in high school. I think all the way home he thought he could, he, he was going to get to do his impressions. You know, he was going to do Barry Manilow. He was going to do Olivia Newton-John. He was going to do, I mean, he was just going to do all of them. Well, back to Ken Fall, extra employee, he says, you know, I played the piano. And, you know, I thought, well, sure, why don't we get together and we can, because I mean, I had one or two crappy Fallon bands at the time, and I think a lot more serious about this than most of the kids in town, but he was really serious about it. He wanted to be an impressionist. He wanted to be an impressionist. That was pretty much it. And I think he really felt like that was the place he was going to end up. Well, we see Groove and Gary driving down the road. This is the vintage from the first documentary. And Groove and Gary says, I'm not saying I'm great or anything, but I sure would like to get into show business. I really would. Yeah. <laughs> I really would. I'm, I'm sure you would. <laughs> it's been a lifelong dream. <laughs> so again, he doesn't seem like he's on drugs, but he's clearly not all there. Well, he loved to listen to Olivia's music. This is his sister. And he'd start singing, and pretty soon he captured her voice. And he sounded just like her. He's not, she's not wrong. They play this, and it sounds, they play like on top of Olivia, and it sounds like perfect. Okay. I can't, I couldn't tell them apart. I'm sure, so, I'm sure through magic media there. Yeah. I well, mean, I can make my voice sound like this. Oh, that didn't work. Sound, sound like this. 
But okay. Anyway, let's get back to the mortician doing Groove and Gary's makeup. She says, your impressions are excellent. I hope that you'd be able to um, uh, just do another short number besides Olivia Newton-John. That's <sighs> all he's tuned for. <laughs> <laughs> nah. 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 I, I must be a, a little bit off of it. You know, I enjoy making people laugh. That's the main thing, you know. I take my impression seriously, I do. But I like to, I know people see me dress up like Olivia Newton-John, I'm going to get them a smile, whether I do it seriously or not, because it's like, wow, that guy's really crazy. Yeah. So, or he's really hot. Sister, he wanted to do it. And honestly, we were all on the other end going, Dick, don't do this. Don't do this, honey. You know, Honey, don't go up there. Does it say how long he been he'd been doing cross dressing? They don't, they don't get it. He'd been crossing? No. Uh, but put a wig. And how, how old is this guy? Sorry. Gary? Yeah. He just he said he's 21. Oh shit. Grooving Gary. Damn, man. That means that he must have had some demons. Back to Grooving Gary. I'm kind of crazy. Yeah. But I do it just for fun. I'm a man. Okay? Yeah. Not a girl. Yeah. All right. Well, Ken says we got there. But I still like cock. <laughs> we got there earlier in the day, and the band gets together and just starts playing. And he went to get ready, and we hung out at the school. He had a wonderful naivete about the whole thing. But it was fun, and I think part of what was fun was just the sheer exuberance of doing something that crazy, to be in Beaver, Utah, and get up and drag, and come out and pretend to be somebody of a different gender. It's outrageous. And we thought it was cool. We thought it was great until we got there and kind of sensed the feel of the room. And it was weird. And I remember mm. Dick getting the shakes. He picked up on the vibe and growing up a little bit in that moment, just to realize how other felt other people felt about him doing that sort of thing and how misconstrued that can kind of be and how misunderstood Dick was in that time. Well, now at this point, we see footage from the Beaver Trilogy 2. Yeah. Okay. Get your ass beaten. Doing now, this that is the acting version. Salt Lake. Yeah. In the 90s, though. But this is the acted version, not the documentary. <laughs> and a guy says, you made a fool out of yourself out there. Sean Penn playing the Beaver Kid. Mm -hmm. It's small time. I know, but people started calling me. Take that silly wig off. Listen, those people aren't your friends. People see you on television. They're not going to call. They're going to call you a fruit. Yeah. Well, Ken says, I know that there were people that thought he was gay. Right. And of course, that's the worst thing you could be in central Utah in 1979. <laughs> 79. I keep you, saying the 90s. Yeah. Well, you can't even allude to that. You can't intimate that at all. Yeah. Have you ever spent time in Utah? Um, Drove past through doing 80. Okay. So not much. Yeah. Well, because when you come down that one, that one uh, highway down there, into the valley. Into the valley. It, yeah, yeah. That speed limit there is 80. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. It's the highest I've ever seen posted. Oh, really? Uh, that I've ever seen posted. Anyway, Dick's sister says he wasn't gay. And that's kind of how they portrayed him in the movie. And it was kind of like they made fun of him. Well, and, also, when yeah. you grow up with three girls, I mean, I know this uh, with a lot of <clears throat> high school friends too. Yeah. A lot of guys don't have father influence, raised by sometimes sisters. Not a lot of times brothers either. Like it's not the nurturing type. Yeah. But like moms and sisters, very common. And like, you know, you just 
you 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 do these you pick up when you're young you're impressionable you pick up on these <coughs> you know little tendencies sometimes i knew a couple people they're like they're straight as narrow but if you talk to them for more than a couple hours you think they're probably gay as well i get that a lot well you are clearly still in the closet anyway she says dick was a tender-hearted kid and he just thought man i thought i was doing something great i thought this is my chance and i know not only i hurt my family but i hurt all my friends and he was very remorseful about it uh he worried a lot he worried excessively that also must also must suck like to have to you know feel like you let your parents down because you did some cross-dressing yeah um well dick's sister says he couldn't sleep okay he was staying over with lori and lori would go down and see that he wasn't you know well he wasn't sleeping at all at night and his mind went 24 7 and he came home and we knew he was sick mm. mom and dad knew he was sick they were taking him to the doctor and that morning he had an appointment and he shot himself through the chest oh boy this just comes out of nowhere yeah okay does it though yeah because there's more okay and he missed dick's sister i mean probably our kids haven't even heard some of this but yeah. he was strong enough that our dad had gone up to him we had an old cow oh boy our dad <laughs> <laughs> it's happening our dad had gone up to milk the cow oh and when he went up to milk the cow was when dick attempted suicide oh tempted fuck when he found out he was uh. still alive he changed shirts and sat down at the well he was downstairs and our dad came down from milking cows and he knew dick was sick and he uh he fixed him some breakfast and said dick come and eat come and have some breakfast so he shot himself in the chest and then walked downstairs i'm guessing so as dick sat down at the table he said dad i'm gonna tell you something that's gonna shock you more than anything i've ever told you uh -huh, uh -huh. and dad goes i don't know about that you know and uh, he said dad i've shot myself oh, fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god I'm like, what the fuck is going on here because yeah, I just read it that way too. Yeah. That he shot himself, changed his shirt, and goes and sits down to have breakfast with his dad. And yeah. says, Dad, I just shot myself, but I changed my shirt before I came and told you. It's because you don't have to well, you can't come to the dinner table with a bloody shirt. Probably not if you're raised in this kind of strict environment. Yeah, you're right. So I don't want to bleed all over the eggs. Trent said, Oh, it was terrible. I mean, it was a terrible thing. It was just a few days, and I'd left the mic in his car, so I <laughs> so I called up his mother to try and find the microphone. Um, and he's telling him all this, <laughs> and like, she said he's in the hospital and shot oh, oh. himself. Oh, oh, so that's what happened. Afterwards, yeah. But yeah, can you imagine? Hey, um, sorry, I made this documentary about your kid who's uh, uh, a cross dresser, can, can, can and I'm really sorry he shot himself. But I got to get that mic back to Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. all I'm thinking about laughing yeah. at this whole thing. That's hilarious. Trent describes it. He says, I mean, it's a mixture of things. You feel guilty that I've exploited the guy. And then I think about that. No, I didn't exploit him. He was exploiting me, actually, in a right. way. I started to think that, too. So I got over the guilt thing. But to take it to a step beyond that... I would have felt guilty, 
because then it becomes exploitive. And that's the trouble I was having when I kept remaking the damn thing. You know, I'm making the thing, but if I show it, it become exploitive. So I didn't show it. Mm. It was ridiculous. It's like Schrodinger's cat. I did it secretly. I didn't want to get it out because I didn't (laughs) want it to come back, but I still wanted to do it. So I had to keep it a secret. Dude, This is giving me, I don't, man, holy shit. I got to see this guy in action. Well, Bill Hader jumps in and says the three films would remain separated and secret for decades, but not knowing the real story, let's look at the rest of this scene. Okay, we see Crispin Glover with a shotgun in his mouth from Mm -hmm. the Beaver Trilogy Part Mm 3, a.k.a. the Orkley Kid, Okay, and he chokes before pulling the gun out of his mouth. Okay. This might be the most obvious difference from the real story. In the remakes, he doesn't pull the trigger. In his prize car, listening to his favorite song, Mm. he sets off to follow his Hollywood dream. Now, we see the Orkley kid, and we see Crispin Glover dressed in drag, driving and singing Olivia Newton-John. And then Trent says, in my own way, I probably had this crazy dream as he did. I'm driving off to Los Angeles with a story in the back of my mind, and I'm going to take Hollywood by storm. Well, Dave, mm-hmm. give me a little music because it's you time to hear some Olivia Newton-John. Oh, boy. Please don't keep me waiting. Oh I can't love you. All right, you can cut. Thank you. So Trent comes in mm-hmm. and he says, again, it's the serendipity of the thing. I just happen to be at the right place at the right time. You know, one thing leads to another and all kinds of things just become uh, this chance encounter. And I had no idea at that point that it would change my entire life. Mm. You know? That's amazing. Those little points, the points that hit, that just, woo, take you in a whole direction you never ever thought would happen well at this point we see Sean Penn and it's the famous take from uh, Fast Times where he's like hey bud let's party well Bill comes in and he says for the character of the Hollywood dreamer Trent had by chance cast two soon to be Hollywood stars and then of course we see George McFly and he's like, I'm George. <laughs> nice. George McFly. McFly. That's hilarious. Well, Trent became fond of Crispin. He says, he was a good friend there for a long time. He said, come over to my place. I've got something I want to show you. Well, now we see Crispin dressed up in drag, but not as uh, Dick Griffiths. Okay, he's just... He's doing drag in an entirely different character because Crispin has now assumed the character of Dick Griffiths, and he wants to do something with the character, the drag guy, and he comes up with his entire own project. Oh, shit. Yes. You got drag wars. (laughs) Who's going to tuck it back quicker? We have 30 seconds on the clock, ladies. <laughs> so Trent says, well, Christian calls me up and, and says, tuck. wouldn't it be fun to do a, 
a film about this character. <laughs> Wouldn't he be a great character to write a movie about? And I introduced Crispin to the desert. I drove him out to this place and said, you got to see this place. It's great. Wouldn't it be great to put Ruben out there? So you're probably saying, who the fuck is Ruben? Yeah. Ruben is the character that Crispin created out of oh, Dick Griffith. Shit. So Christian is referring to himself as Ruben now. Yeah. So Trent says he, st- he stayed up and focused. Not even third person, like fourth person. Now it's even. getting like, it just keeps going. So I imagine Crispin, you know, like at the end of um, uh, the movie with Mark Wahlberg where he's a porn star. Oh, um, uh, Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. Yeah, at the end of the Boogie Nights. Yeah. He's got his dick hanging out. It's all yeah, gigantic. I'm a star. I think it's almost star. I imagine Crispin doing that, but with a tuck back. Yeah, I guess I could see that. It didn't land like I thought well, it was. So now Trent is inspired by Christian, who's Ruben, who used to be Dick. And he says, I stayed up. Dick Ruben. Ruben York. <laughs> and I focused. Dick Rourke. And I wrote a movie, and I sold it the next day. Wow. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. So. I mean, this guy's been known to do acid. Who? All, Crispin. Well, uh, these, all, the, all these people in this movie are obviously on drugs. I mean, I asked Even you, though you said no. I asked line, you, line, stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm, my point I mean, is. Maybe not, hard, maybe not like cocaine or right, alcohol. But my it's point like, is like on like, psycho, psychedelics. Their original inspiration that got this whole thing going, Dick Griffiths. There's no licks. drugs in Dick Griffiths. Got it. He's he's just high on life. Right. He's high on the life that he saw a fucking helicopter and wanted to go look at it and take pictures of it and was at the right place at the right time. And Trent was like, <clears throat> you know, you're a character. You're my inspiration. Right. Yeah, you're my muse. Correct. So Bill Hader jumps in and says, Does he? This would be Trent's big break in Hollywood. Trent's film, Ruben and Ed, would put Crispin... Glover's platformed healed character in the desert. So at this point, Crispin's dressing up in drag. Okay. And wearing these high profile or platform, platform shoes, shoes. But they're like eight inches off the ground. Yeah, they're ridiculously inside of them. So he's going to play Ruben. Howard Hessman, the famous comedian, he's going to be cast as Ed. And the pitch of the film is these two random people run into each other. <laughs> Searching for the perfect place to bury Ruben's frozen cat. Wow. Now, do you know who Howard Hessman is? That is such a drag story, too. No, (laughs) no, it doesn't come to mind. Okay, Howard Hessman was famous for playing the character of Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati, the sitcom. All right. Never watched it. You don't remember that? No. WKRP in Cincinnati. Well, interestingly enough. Was that like competing with news radio at the time? Dude, it was way before news radio, okay. but here's where it all comes from, all right. full circle. Do you remember our podcast, Billboard Boys? Yes. And do you remember the pitch of Billboard Boys? The radio station goes from big band to uh, rock and roll. Okay. This is the pitch of WKRP in Cincinnati. That's how it starts? The sitcom. That, that's how the sitcom is. They like were the, a big band. Before, and they switched to rock stage. Correct. So they Very had cool. to bring in all these cool... Um, what do you call it? Uh, disc jockeys. And there right. was Johnny Fever by Howard Hussman. Yeah. The black guy was Venus Flytrap. That was his name on the show. Cool. <laughs> anyway, 
Trent, um, basically, um, we see some clips of Ruben and Ed, and they're they're just wandering the desert. And Crispin Glover, as Ruben, is carrying around um, an ice chest with his frozen cat in it. <laughs> is his actual frozen cat inside of yes. it? Yes. Ah. This is the movie. And but is there a dead, actual dead frozen no, cat? No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay, Unless okay. he's a method actor and oh, killed his own boy. cat. I don't know. So... We see, he could just be dressing in drag just so he can bury his... I don't know. It gets better. Okay. We see Crispin Glover, after they're walking around in the desert, right. he's sitting in an inner tube with these really long high heels on, and then all of a sudden, a woman drives by in a boat, and she's like waving at Crispin Glover, and there's somebody water skiing behind the boat, but in it's not desert. a person... Yeah. In the desert. Correct. So It's a lake in the desert. Okay, okay, okay. okay. just wanted to make that clear for a second. Okay, so you see this woman driving by, and she's, like, um, attracted to Reuben, and she's okay. hitting on Reuben. Right. And that's Crispin Glover okay. in the high heel platform oh, shoes. Oh, fuck. Right. But we see the, the, the boat go by. See, at least it's still straight. You think it's a water skier? It's a water skiing cat. Oh, okay? fuck. <laughs> so... The whole point What's is... What's happening right now, dude? Crispin has lost himself in this character, Ruben, and he can't find out where he begins and it ends. I can't figure it out either, buddy. Okay, so here's the thing. There's a very famous... Um, I would. Do you remember when Andy Kaufman would go on David Letterman in yes. character? Okay. Yes. Okay, do you remember like years later, Joaquin Phoenix did the same thing? I don't remember Joaquin Phoenix doing it. He did it. it with that character he was playing where he was in character and didn't tell Dave he was in character. No. Okay. Joaquin. Here's the thing. No, I don't remember that. It's a very famous interview on David Letterman. It's got more downloads than like any other David Letterman interview. Do you mind pulling it up because I've queued it up for you? I'm talking about the Crispin Glover one. Correct. This is an interview with Crispin Glover on... Um, what do you call it? The, um, the, the Late Letterman Show, show. Yeah. with David, David Letterman. Letterman. So just play this for our listeners here. Okay. Uh, my next guest is a uh, very talented uh, young man. He uh, probably best remembered as Michael J. Fox's father in a film called Back to the Future. He is now starring in a motion picture called River's Edge. Folks, please welcome Crispin Glover. <laughs> Okay, go ahead and pause Hi. it real quick. Oh, yeah. He comes so, out like, okay. what the fuck? No, but that's it his looks character like a, from Ruben and Ed. Got it. He's acting like a character. Dave doesn't know got it's a it. character got from it. Ruben and got Ed. It. He does so, not. okay, that's interesting. So he's playing this character. Maybe he is on drugs. Maybe he isn't. But mm -hmm. I do remember hearing about the string of, he's had a string of Letterman episodes where, you know, he's been odd. This is the original. So he's got the platform shoes on. Yeah. He's got this creepy wig on. But he's also carrying a case. Yes. So just go ahead and let this play. Okay. How are you? Nice he's I don't see the case. How are you doing? Good. Oh, it's on the side over there next time. Uh, things going all right this summer? I'm having a very good, good summer. Yeah. Where do you live now? You live in Los Angeles? Yes, that's right. In Los Angeles. Uh -huh. I just bought a nice condominium. Condominium? Where, where's it located? It's located just over the hill in the valley, and I'm really happy about it. Did Is he wearing a wig? Yeah. Did you, for a okay. time, you lived in Hollywood. You lived in. It's Hollywood like a Mary Tyler Moore wig. In Hollywood Boulevard. On Hollywood Boulevard. No. Had, a, had an apartment overlooking Hollywood Boulevard. Had a, a big high building you lived in. Big tower on Hollywood. No. No. 
<laughs> all right, then we'll just, we'll just drop that and go on to something else, all right? Do you, um, do you, do, do, you do a lot of uh, television shows? Oh, yes, now because I've been in movies that are big and I'm, I'm a movie star, so. I've been on talk shows on the Johnny Carson show, yep. and now I'm here, and I've been all across the United States, and I feel really good about it, so. Do you, do you enjoy the experience? Okay, pause it real quick. So somebody from the audience just said, look at your shoes. Uh, I thought they said nice shoes. Something to that effect. Yeah. But, but this is where people are like, is that a plant in the audience? Yeah. Because Dave doesn't know what's going on. Right. Okay, so keep right. playing. Yes, I feel very good about them. I notice you have something there in the case. What's in the I, case? I, I knew that this was going to happen, and I... Uh, <laughs> I, can I tell you, because the, the press, they can do things, they can twist things around, and I've, because, you're talking, I don't, look, I, the press says things about you in, 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 the, in the paper, this is a, a paper, the LA Weekly in, in Los Angeles, and they said, they said about me, la-di-da, it was at, a, I went to a club, and they like, said, you think Letterman's that, pissed? Uh, it was at a meeting, and it said, it's Kirsten so Lover, bizarre. It was in a, He's getting he's getting pissed. Yeah, he's getting annoyed. Worse than his dot dot dot. You get the point. Mm -hmm. And Paul, anything then, uh, you'd like to add here? <laughs> <laughs> and then another one. They said they said they said they said Crispin Glover. Paul, was is, this, is this the first time you've seen another guy drown? Is this, this the first time you've watched a guy die? Is that you're talking about you or yeah? Him? No, me. This is. This is the other it's thing they said. Crispin enough. Glover was pinstriped and greased up for the occasion, impressing the girl. Okay, pause it. Now, yeah. it's important to note at this point. It's there very is awkward, a, yes. There, it, beyond the awkwardness, there's a box next to him that looks like it's got fake ears in it. Yeah, I don't Those know. It looks, are, it looks like, they look like mushroom caps. It's either mushroom caps or, or fake pig ears. Pig ears or something. Yeah, pig ears or something that of the yeah. fact. But Dave's trying to process all of this. Yeah. And he has no idea what's going He's on. He's just thinking about who the fuck he has to fire right after this. <laughs> right, because we're going to go ahead and press play. <laughs> okay. Who are trying to get next to him? Guess some people are turned on by Brill Cream. Yeah, well, I don't know. And then <laughs> <they> <laughs> Bro. I don't have these. You seem to be distraught. They don't. You seem people to be distraught. People try to make me sound a lot weird. And yeah. I'm just. A lot I'm weird. Strong, you know, I'm strong. Ooh. I can arm wrestle. I. Uh, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking, you know, I've been taking far. These aren't mine. I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. No, <laughs> okay, you can kill him. So okay. what amazes me about oh. that entire exchange yeah. is he just did a roundhouse and right. Dave didn't even flinch. Well, he's not that close to it. I've seen that roundhouse a few times. He's not very close to him. Okay, so my gut... And, yeah, and, and Letterman had fucking Jerry the King Lawler, and he's not worried about this 
pussy. Okay. So what do you think? Is it staged or did well, they? No, no. Now, now it's now I don't know if it's staged. Now it still might be drugs. Staged, I don't think <laughs> it's so. Obviously, but drugs. like I think that like Letterman doesn't even know the story now. Like because I, somewhere I was listening to a podcast or something, and it came up about Crispin. He has multiple Letterman performances where he's just like a weirdo where he's done this yes not okay. done this specifically but like kind of come back and like just been weird and awkward and like that well the interesting thing is when i told you about this story you knew nothing about it but you were aware of this appearance yes on and like that's why because of other people talking about it thinking that he's just on drugs right not knowing that like this now this might also be on drugs but that this is like the character part but Got yeah it. Mm -hmm. well with that Yes. We are going to uh, leave our unfortunate listeners on a cliffhanger yeah. because um, we're running out of time. And um, more importantly, mm -hmm. I need a week <laughs> to see if I can still track down the Beaver trilogy. Let, oh, I'm going to help you find it. Now, here's my point. Would you watch that? Those I would definitely watch. Because they're not documentaries? They're not documentaries. Okay. So what we're going to try and do in between... This episode right. and next week is track down the Beaver trilogy, yes. so you and I can both watch it, yes. finish telling the story of the Beaver trilogy four, and then we'll give you our review on the Beaver trilogy as right. well as yes. our review on the Beaver trilogy yes. four. If your brain's not completely blown Dude. and mind warped by now, you're probably listening yeah. too attentively. I don't know. Okay, I, I just got here. That's it. Um, we had a lot of fun this week. We're going to have more fun uh, with uh, the Beaver Trilogy 4 and, of course, the regular Beaver Trilogy. Uh, please give us a shout-out on the social medias. And, as always, please leave us a review. And thank you, Broccoli Farms, for your continued uh, support of our show. We will see you next week for Episode 54. Thanks. Thanks.